Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Church, let's give a little bit of glory to God. What a great day to be in church. We're all doing well. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus together. Oh, man, y'all looking good today. Hopefully well-rested, filled with faith. Three of us, that's great. Well, you came to the right place then. We got a great day planned. Got a message on my heart I really think will help and build your life, build your relationships. Why don't you join with me as we welcome the Plaza location. I love you all. One big family. Hey, before we grab our seats, let's just acknowledge the fact that the uh, devil comes to kill still an hour of our sleep and destroy. Uh, the plaza location is like brimming over and they're like, hey, we should add a service. And someone on staff said like, hey, let's do an 830. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. We are not ever doing that. Maybe someday. You know who came up with uh, Daylight Savings? The Antichrist. Anyways. Hey, say hi to your neighbor and grab your seat. Good to see you in church. We're in a series called In Love. We're talking about relationships. There is hope and healing and help for those that are struggling in life and in love. And today it's going to get real. We're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about arguments. We're going to talk about disagreements. I'm going to be speaking from the perspective of a husband and a wife. Uh, however, you can work this into all the conflicts in your life, all the tension you might be feeling with not just your spouse, but with a friend or uh, someone in your own family or even a coworker. Conflict is real. It's a part of every one of our lives. A couple that says they don't fight are lying. They are lying to your face. They fought five minutes ago, and they're just trying to, to kind of keep an appearance. Every one of us have, have fights, and the tensions are high, and the pain is real. But what do we do? What do we do when, the, when we're in conflict and have anger towards the person that we said, I do, too? Like, you've made a commitment. We're in this thing together, and this is what we believe by the Word of God, we're in this thing together forever. And, and so what we, have, we have a problem, we have a tension, we can just overlook it. I mean, if you just overlook it over time, it boils up and becomes even worse. It, it, it's like a cesspool. It just kind of gathers toxicity over time. And really, conflict, if it's not dealt with and resolved, becomes like a cancer that can kill your joy. It can even destroy and kill your marriage. And yet the Bible has a lot to say about how we work things out when it comes to life and when it comes to to love, and I believe the enemy loves to breed and, and to, to place and to put in moments of conflict that can become lifetimes of misery when we don't know how to take them before God, get his grace, his wisdom, and, and to, sort it, to sort it out. And why does he do that? I, I think the enemy, first and foremost, he, he hates people because he hates God. We're made in the likeness and image of God. So if he can tear you apart, it'd be like picking on my kids. I mean, I would not like that. And the same is with our Heavenly Father. You're a son and a daughter of, the, of the, the Most High God. Like, He values, cares about you more than anything. So if the enemy can make your life miserable and your marriage less than meaningful, then he knows he, he can, like, stick it to the big guy upstairs. It's his way of tearing us apart because he, he, he hates us, and he, he hates the beauty of marriage and the meaning of marriage. Marriage is God's best man and woman, God, the crown of God's creation coming together. In marriage, there's something powerful 
that God actually uses to, to glorify him and to show the world how good he is by the way we love and lead each other and serve each other. And ultimately, there's this thing called strife. And strife, really, it's a, it's a kind of a spiritual world because it is a spirit. It, it, it's more than just frustration. It's more than just anger. It's an attitude or behavior of the heart that always lives in conflict. And the enemy loves to put you into strife so that he can eliminate the power of unity. The Bible says that one by themselves can, can run off a thousand enemies, but two together can run off 10,000. In other words, there's multiplication in unity, and the enemy would love nothing more than to disrupt the plan and the blessing and the power of God on our relationships, on your marriage. And maybe you do stay married till the day you die. That's great. But this is more than just endurance. This is to be something that's engaging and beautiful to the world around us. And so if you can put strife at the center of your union, he can disrupt the plan and purpose of heaven for your life. Proverbs 27, 17, which is mostly reserved for men's conferences, says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens or brings the best out of another. You think about that, to, 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 to sharpen each other, it means that two things have to come together. There, there's a conflict in that. And our conflict can even create growth or it can destroy us. And it can make us better, sharper, more resilient, or, or it can tear us down. So the enemy will take conflict, which can be a good thing when it's done a God way, can bring like connectivity and unity and intimacy. But when it's done a wrong way, it can bring destruction and divisiveness. And again, it can limit the potential and the plan of God. Where there is closeness, there will be conflict. We're all broken people being restored and redeemed by an amazing God and His grace. And, and, and as good as we might have grown up in great families, maybe had a wonderful family of origin, that's wonderful. The truth is, when we get close to someone, the real us will rub up against the real them. And there's going to be some sparks. There's going to be some tension. There's going to be disagreements. And Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. And the enemy would love to tear your life apart from the inside out. And the relationships that can be the most impactful, like a marriage, can also be the most harmful to your heart and to your life. So as we're looking and leaning in, realize if you have been fighting and feuding with a loved one or with your spouse, that is a work of the enemy. That is a work of something trying to tear you apart. I think you could actually look at it from a, diff a different perspective today. It actually could be a good thing that you're having some tension. Because just maybe if we can look at it through the lens of God's grace and get some wisdom from his word and leave here with some things to utilize in getting better, just maybe the enemy's trying to stop. If you have conflict, he's trying to stop that chaos, start that chaos in your life to stop the plan and purpose of heaven. So if we've been having friction, it actually we can use it to build our faith because we can move forward to the incredible thing God has for our future. Amen. I'm going to speak today about in love and out of war. How we can be in love and be out of the war zone. I believe there's going to be peace in your marriage. I believe this for the, the marriages of Hillsong Church. that they're, they're going to be beautiful, meaningful, impactful. They're going to be something precious and amazing God can use. I believe where there used to be fighting, now there's going to be a place of God's favor. And as I was driving uh, to, to church today... Uh, to the 9.30 slash realistically 8.30 service. Um, I had such an incredible encounter with God. 
and, and it was because I was praying over what, 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 what could you be walking through today? And I know there's some of you that your, your relationship is hanging on by a thread. I'm gonna tell you right now, hang in there. Uh, maybe you're not even sitting with your spouse. Maybe they didn't even come to church with you because the, the toxicity is so strong. I'll tell you right now, there is a healer. There is a restorer. There is a redeemer. His name is Jesus, and he's on your side. Amen? Hey, can you join me in prayer? Come on, Plaza. Let's all pray together. Lord, we thank you that for your goodness, your grace, your love. We thank you for your word that shows us how to live. And Lord, it's not just action steps to take. It's the attitude that you have towards us, how much you care about us. Lord, I know you value and care about marriage. It was your design and your creation. And so we're going to go to the designer to get the, the way to implement it, the way to walk it out here on the earth. Lord, I speak right now over every heart that's been struggling with strife and brokenness, that there is a restorer and a healer, that Jesus' power is at work even in the places of greatest pain. And Lord, I believe ahead of time that there's healing in marriages, there's breakthroughs in relationship, and we're moving forward to the future you prepared for us. And Lord, we thank you that we are wide awake, even though we lost an hour, that our caffeine, our coffee is double caffeinated today, in Jesus' name, amen? amen. What is strife? Strife, uh, the Bible dictionary I, I looked up the other day says this, it says it's contention for superiority. It actually is about being right. It's about being first. It's about getting your way. It's an anger or an intimate, I can't say that word today. It's a contest. It's enmity. That's the word I wanted. It's a quarrel, and it says it's a struggle for victory. When your flesh or your natural self is at conflict with someone else's behavior, someone else's self to be first or to get your way. It's ultimately, it's a spirit of pride, and it pushes on the painful places of our life so that we can have things the way that we want. And if you love to get your way, you will find your way out of love. If you have to have it your way, you'll get it your way, but you'll be all alone. You might even stay in the marriage, but you'll find emptiness and loneliness. And the Bible is very clear about where this strife and tension comes from. It comes from self. James chapter 4, verse 1, do you know that where your fights and arguments come from? That they come from your selfish desires that are at war within you. There's a war going on on the inside for you to be right. You to have your way. You to be number one. For everyone else to gravitate around your desires. How many of you know that is the opposite of the character of Jesus? Jesus who was right. Jesus who was the way. Jesus who had it all together actually laid down his life in the service of others and in the same spirit of humility and sacrifice. If we can leave here today not trying to get our way but going the right way, we will see beauty in places of brokenness and restoration in place of hurt. There's four four main issues that cause conflict in marriage. There's a lot of them, but I summed them up in these four. Money. I've never fought over money. Oh, I'm sure the plaza told the truth. Nobody here. We, we fight over our sex. We fight over communication or miscommunication. We fight over family issues, like raising children or your in-laws. How many know you've got a thorn in the flesh called an in-law every once in a while? 
I got a real loud amen from someone here who might be sleeping on the couch later today. If you want to know which ones Liz and I fight over, the answer is yes. Like all of us fight over these issues all, all of the time. You know, sometimes the fights we have are over the most trivial things. Like, you know, you hear people have conflict over, like, who, what side of the toothpaste you squeeze out of, right? It's dumb stuff. But I always feel like those small things are really just the tip of the iceberg of the greater issue that's going on underneath. You know, one of the things that Liz and I occasionally will spar over is who gets to choose the, the TV show, like, as we're winding down for the night. And I'll tell you, just tell you right now, I'm going to tell the truth in church here. I choose every time. I get my way there. And here's why. Because about three minutes in, she's asleep. And I'm stuck watching Down Abbey when I want to be watching Die Hard. You know what I'm saying? So we have just settled that. The other day I had an event at church and I came home a, a little later than normal. And she was already winding down, already watching a show. And she was watching a show uh, called um, Love is Blind. I know you've all seen it, because it's the number one show on Netflix. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, pastorally speaking, it's a huge thumbs down. Okay? Please, if you haven't watched it, don't. And this is why I choose. Love is Blind, um, if you don't know the premise of it, it's people are dating, but they're dating in what's called a pod. And I've been making lots of pod love jokes lately. Because they find this deep, meaningful relationship, although they have never seen the other person. They, they, they talk for hours. They're, 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 they're sharing their hearts with complete strangers. And they're in rooms next to each other, but there's a wall separating them, but they can hear each other very clearly. And they talk and talk. And part of that sounds great. It's like great to build a relationship of emotional connection. That's wonderful. But they can't actually see each other. Listen, this is where it gets crazy. Until they propose to each other. Until they say, I am willing to spend the rest of my life with you, unseen person. With you, voice behind the wall. And I won't get to see you until I've got a ring ready to give you. And the crazy thing is, is these weirdos actually do it. Now listen, there's a lot of things I think at work here. First and foremost, I think they personally like psych, analyze, and evaluate the most thirsty people on the planet. Like they know these ones that would overlook anything just to get married. That's another sermon for another time. Also, there is copious amounts of wine being drunk throughout each episode. How many of that would hinder your decision making just a little bit when you're two bottles deep and you're sharing your heart with someone? You can marry just about anything under that situation. And then they see each other. And honestly, at first you think, like, man, this is really going to work. Like, look at that. They made a connection just based upon the voice and their emotions and their life story. But then they see each other, and at sure at first it's romantic, but the honeymoon stage wears off real quick. Because all of a sudden they're now in the real world, dealing with family issues and finances and personal debt and personal pain and rejection issues and getting to meet each other's family. And before you know it, they go from dating and excitement to debating and anger. They go from in the wonder of love to all-out warfare. Because this is the world we live in. 
we, every one of us carry our past with us. This is why we have to get freedom. Because we might have had a great family or no family at all, but all of us have some family of origin issues, relational pains, poor examples of how to work out problem solving, things we learned or didn't learn from our parents, and here we are. And now we have our personal, like where we feel right now, we're in the present. This is normally where we make decisions based on emotions, based upon how we feel on that very given day. Uh, my disappointments come with me today. And when someone says something that might be innocent or just a little common out of alignment, but it hits a pressure point in my heart before you know it, they're not just dealing with me in the moment. They're dealing with my whole past history. All of a sudden, that stuff comes boiling to the surface. And then there's also the future, who you want to be, who you're desiring to be, the dreams that you have. And the more dreams that you have in the future and the farther you are away from them, in the present, you're living in disappointment because you don't know how to get to that place. And every one of us in our real life and relationships carry those things with us. But I got for you some of the rules of war. If we're going to have peace, and not just peace, which is the absence of anger, we're going to have like blessing, prosperity in our relationships, and fulfillment. We've got to learn how to work out these conflicts the God way. And it is not, it is not one versus one. It is not you versus me. It's not husband versus wife. The right equation, it's one plus one plus one. It's you, your spouse, and God. Once you write this down, one of the rules of war is you've got to learn to play the God card. There's a couple kind of God's cards. There's the kind of God card where you go into like a counseling session I do with someone and they tell me God told them to do this. Like how can I argue with the voice that created the heavens and the earth telling them to do something? But there's the right kind of God card that every one of us as believers have in our hand. That this, the deck has been stacked in our favor that we have this opportunity for God to sort stuff out. For God's grace to go to work. To God to give us direction. And you need to learn to play the God card. It's like an Uno when you're just holding on to that wild card collect four. You know what I'm talking about? That's the atom bomb of Uno. You have that in your arsenal every day. But so sadly, so many believers, so many people that say my forever, my life, my eternity is with God, do not invite him in to the daily disagreements and tension. You've got to learn to play the God card. You've got to learn to say, God, I'm inviting you in, even to my emotions and feelings in this day. Because guess what? You have the winning hand already because you have the God factor at work. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Uh, we always use that verse when it comes time for weddings, just to remind people that you're not just in a relationship. When you get married as a believer, you're in a covenant. It's so much stronger than a legal document. It's a, a divine moment where God says, I'm going to come and be at the center of your union. You're wrapped around me. Therefore, you're like two can do pretty good. This is why you'll see unbelievers make it to the end of their life still married, but they won't fulfill destiny. Because destiny is only fulfilled in a relationship with God. And they, they, this is the opportunity for us as believers that the world doesn't have. Is that we can invite God in every day to whatever situation we might be facing. And much of your brokenness in your relationship is coming from a lack of a God-centered life. And even in your disagreements, 
You think you can handle it in your own words and abilities. Friends, you're fooling yourself. When you have God there to sort you out first, then you might actually have something good to say to the person that you need to work things out with. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, James is speaking about your faith, the things that you do not have because you don't bring it to God, the request and the things that you need. But I love that. You don't have peace in your marriage because you haven't asked God. You don't have like a moment of serenity in a, in a chaotic season because you haven't asked God. You, you, you don't know what to say about how you feel because you haven't asked God. You have God to call on for help no matter how small or major the problem is. Believer, let me tell you right now, husbands and wives, be real quick about playing the God card, not against your spouse, but on yourself. That I, before I say another word, I can see where this thing is boiling over to. And before it gets to a place where we're going to wound each other, I'm going to go work some things out with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go let God speak to me, calm me down, give me words of wisdom that will produce healing and not weapons of war that are going to bring harm. Go and discuss it with God. You know, much of the conflict that we have with each other is because we expect others to meet needs only God can. You're expecting them to meet your deepest emotional need. They'll be a blessing to you. They'll, be a, a, they'll add so much to your life, but only God can bring fulfillment. I would say that many of us, we wouldn't even fight over some of the things we've been quarreling over if we learn to get quiet every once in a while and ask God to go to work in that area of our heart. Because your frustration might, the aim of your frustration might be your spouse, but the real issue is your own significance. The real issue is your own emotions. The real issue is something is out of alignment in your heart, and that is something that only God can heal. You know, the Bible says you can be angry and sin not. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says this. I love this from the Living Bible. It says, if you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. How many of y'all got convicted right there by the Holy Spirit? You know exactly what that's talking about. You isolate or pull away and you nurse that emotional pain. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. It doesn't mean that the problem will be solved quickly. It means you're not letting it go down with you. You're letting it go. You're giving it to God. And you get over it quickly. Get over it quickly doesn't mean that you and your spouse just ignore it and move on. Not at all. It means you're letting God move you on on the inside. And I would tell you this. If you would bring in, work God in to whatever the issue or the disagreement might be, more often than not, you won't even have to speak to your spouse about it because God's already settled it in your heart and in your spirit. I'm telling you, an anger that leads to an attack or to a withdrawal, those are both sin. If you're icing someone out to try to get your way, I'm telling you, that's manipulation and control. That's not the God way. If you burst out and, and lash out, and we've all done it, saying things we wish we wouldn't have, but it's really how we feel. That kind of anger and out, outburst, that, that, that's a sin. So we can be angry, but we know where to go with our anger. We don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with our spouse. We go face-to-face -to -face with our God. We get down on our knees every once in a while and let God soothe and sort out the situations 
And you can complain and you can vent all you want. Just do it to God first. And this is why I think some people struggle in bringing God into their marriage. is because we think to pray we have to have this pious, holy moment. Do you know God knows you and made you and wants to talk to you just like you talk to a friend? And so just like you can complain to a friend or to a family member, you can bring that same complaint to God. He's not that, like he's holier than holy, but his holiness doesn't mean he doesn't have an opportunity, a time, and wisdom for whatever you are working through. Philippians 4 says, hey, quit worrying about everything, but pray about, worry about anything, but pray about everything. And when you do that, when you play that God card for your own heart, it says that the God of all peace will come and he protects your heart. He protects your mind. In other words, you start thinking clearly again. Your emotions get restored or healed or settled down. And that happens in prayer. And I think when, more often than not, when you pray to God, he's going to highlight things that you need to change. Not just give you words to bring to change your spouse. One of the rules of war is that you got to own your own issues. I'm going to own my issues. I'm not going to try to sort out what's going on in their world or what they said or what they did until I let God sort me out on the inside. How much of this issue is me? When it comes to Liz and I, I've found over the years, most of these issues is moi. I, the, the, the frustration, I got a loud amen up here if you're on the plaza. A lot of the tension I have is because of my own insecurities. A lot of the things I feel like if I had a disappointment or a frustration is because, like, it's my own thing. And if I could just look at my life through that lens, not everyone, if everyone else is the problem in your world, you're the problem. And if you never have the Holy Spirit, this is the beauty of intimacy with God's presence, that you need to be a spirit-filled and spirit-focused person because he has a word for you no matter what you're walking through. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit literally is a mediator. He helps you sort out the wrestle and the tension in your inside world. The issue is you, so confess your part in the the conflict. Because every one of us have blind spots. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Why do you look at the speck in another's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? Take the log out of your eye first, then you'll be able to see clearly and just go ahead and start holding yourself to a higher standard than you hold your spouse and you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that ask yourself some questions am I being unrealistic am I being insensitive am I being oversensitive am I being ungrateful for all that they do and missing and, and highlighting just a few things that they haven't done am I being too demanding and if you take, take yourself through a checklist like that, before you know it, it might not solve everything. You might need to work some things out, but you're going to be a little more settled down. And we're going to release that toxicity out of our veins that strife always wants to produce. You know, the number one excuse that people bring into a divorce courtroom, more than infidelity, is incompatibility. We're just inc- incompatible. This, this just isn't working. Like, that's the number one reason for divorce is just incompatibility. Like, I think it almost sounds cute. It's like almost like, yeah, you know, we just, you know, we just see things differently. Like, he's a Libra, and you know what that means. <laughs> well, he's an Enneagram 4. She's an Enneagram 6. I don't know what any of that means. 
we, we love to label and to blame, like this is unreconcilable. But I love what Dr. Paul Papineau, the director of Institute of Family Relations, says. He says, I don't believe, this is his whole life is studying marriage. I don't believe in incompatibility. I don't believe it actually exists. Almost any two people are compatible if they try to be. Your marriage is what you make it. The Bible says if we think we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Each of us have an infinite capacity for self-deception. This is why we need the word that's a mirror that highlights where we need to grow. That's why the Holy Spirit, who's a helper, that shows us and, and points out places where we might have some problems and then always leads us to the grace of God. Listen, you keep growing, you keep changing, you keep loving, and God will work on them. Let him work in you, and he'll redeem that relationship. Listen, we have to deliberately pursue understanding, not just peace. Peace is great, and that's the end goal. But we really want is the peace the Bible talks about. Because we think peace is just an absence of conflict. The Bible talks about peace, uses the word shalom. And shalom doesn't just mean peace, like there isn't a war, like there's a truce. It means completeness. And if I don't have, like I might, we, not, we might not be yelling at each other right now, but if I don't completely know them, there's not a wholeness there. Where are they coming from? What, what sort of maybe thing in their yesterday do I need to have more sensitivity towards? Where do I need to understand them more? Understanding, it gives me a better focus, a better viewpoint. And it gives me fuel for my future of how I should treat my spouse or loved one. It's not just a freedom of conflict. It's understanding the person. And biblically speaking, listen, the Bible says when two people get married, they're actually now one. Like, you wouldn't want to tear yourself down with your words. You wouldn't want to poison your own heart with your actions or behavior. And if a married couple, if you're vehemently fighting against each other, you're really destroying yourself. And so we wanna understand that person, not just get an absence of conflict, but get the presence of understanding and depth. And it's in that understanding where you will get your intimacy back, where you get your closeness back, where you get your fulfillment back. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that there's a brother or sister that has something, listen, not you against them, them against you. In other words, are you working out your own thing? Not your own anger towards someone, but where could someone else be frustrated with you? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with them, then come offer your gift. Reconciliation is better than a truce. The Greek word used there means I change first. It means I exchange. It's not a one-sided thing. And it means I'm changing frustration for friendship. Conflict, listen, is never solved or resolved accidentally. It takes intentionality. To know them, to hear them out. The Bible also says you can't really worship God with bitterness in your heart, with conflict in a relationship. 1 John 4, verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. This is the Bible talking, not me, so don't get angry at me. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love a God whom we cannot see? You ever have conflict on the way to church? Oh, heck yes, you have. <laughs> like driving together in the car, and for whatever reason, you're on your way to the house of God, you're on your way to the presence of God, you're on your way to praise with your church family, 
and the tension is heavy. Why do you think that is? Because the enemy knows if he can get discord and distrust and animosity and anger brewing before you walk through the steps of the plaza or the north, before you get here, he knows he can steal your worship. He can steal your ability to hear a word from God for your life. He can steal your destiny because that's something that is defined in the presence of God. And he can steal your praise. He steals your praise. He steals your joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He steals your power. He steals your ability to be everything God's called you to be. Listen, I have figured this out. We don't drive together to church on Sundays anymore. <laughs> no, I would say this, though, and Liz would probably agree. Some of our biggest blow-ups in life have happened on Saturday night. You thought championship belts were in boxing and UFC were on Saturday nights. Only no, Turner Household, too, like... <laughs> Some of the biggest moments of tension. But I become aware of the way the devil works. The Bible says don't be ignorant to his devices. That I understand that he can get at me and get in between us. That when I get up to preach the next day, I'm going to be more frustrated at her than thinking about someone who needs new faith, new life, needs hope, needs joy, needs peace. So do not let the enemy steal your worship. Let God work it out in you. Learn to work it out with each other. Let's make sure, because the first Peter says, disharmony hinders your prayers. Let me say this. I'm running out of time and not out of content here, but I'll get to it another week. Let me say this. If the enemy can stop your closeness to God by getting division with someone else, then he's going to leave you stuck in that place. It is so important that we walk in closeness and connectivity with all the people around us, especially that person who we are in covenant marriage with. Because the enemy ultimately, by getting you against them, is really you against yourself. You against the purpose of God for your life. You against the future that he has for you. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. It doesn't mean you have to get in the argument or the, you have to have peace before sunset. I would just say don't give it 24 hours before you pray it out, before you talk it out, before you work it out, before you hug it out, before you figure it out. Because over time, over time, if you let the sun go down and the sun come up, Sun go down, sun come up, day after day, week after week. And maybe you can ignore it for a while, but that bitterness, listen, will grow. And bitterness can destroy the whole thing. The Bible says it's like a root of poison in your life. Let's make sure that we're people that are humble, listening to God, and quickly getting things sorted out in our life, in our world. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're the offended or the offender. If you're the believer, you go first. You go first. And you don't go first trying to get your agenda or to prove something to them. Go in trying to understand them. Where did this come from? What did I do to, to, to push that painful place in your life? And if you go in with apologies and forgiveness, you'll find so much more healthy affirmation and God fruit growing in your relationship. And we have to learn, listen, we got to make sure that the words that we use bring help and healing. Help and healing. Let my words work to help and to heal. Ephesians 4.29 do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what is needed. Learn, listen, to attack the issues that are causing friction and tension, not the person. 
We attack the issues, not attack each other. You know, over the years of history, they've signed treaties between warring nations. I think there's been four Geneva Conventions where every country comes together and says, hey, if we go to war, we won't do this, we won't do this, and we won't do that. We're not going to go nuclear. We're not going to use toxic warfare. We're, 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 if you give up and surrender, we're not going to shoot you on the spot. We're going to take you as a prisoner of war. They've set up some ga- ground uh, rules and, and guidelines to say, hey, if we go to battle over something, we're not going to go there. Listen, and some of you, you always go there. Something they did eight years ago, something they said a month ago. You hold them hostage to their yesterday, and you go full-on nuclear with your words. You always, you never, you're just like your mother. Hello, how many have used that one before? Like, we start by using our most powerful weapons in the beginning, and the Bible says, hey, that's not the way we do things. You have to learn and agree to remove certain inflammatory terms, phrases, memories. Colossians 3.8 says, we put these things behind us. Furious rage, malice, insults, shouted abuse. And don't deceive anymore. The Bible says you will be held accountable one day for every idle and attacking word. Philippians 2 verse 4, look to each other's interests and not merely your own. That word look there in the Greek, it's skopos, which means like periscope. Get from that place you've been under, get your head up a little bit. Periscope, right? Telescope, I'm going to look to the future. Listen, it doesn't mean microscope. That I'm going to go look at every little thing in their life and their world and hold it against them. And the ultimate goal is this. When we win, I win. When you win, when you win as a couple, you win as an individual. So we're going to work these things out. We're going to let God go to work in us. And we're going to concentrate, listen, on reconciliation, not resolution. Resolution means we've completely agreed this is the way it is. That's one winner, one loser. No, reconciliation says we're not going to get over all the little details. Because guess what? Your spouse is uniquely different than you. That's why you were drawn to them. Like you like the differences. Now you get into marriage, it becomes a dilemma. No, God has you there on purpose. Like resolution means we've settled everything. This is the way it is. No one's going to get to that. But reconciliation says, hey, we're going to have flaws, but we're going to keep our friendship. We're going to keep our closeness. We're going to keep this covenant together. We're going to keep working on some things. We might never see fully eye to eye about every issue of the heart, every issue of our life, but we're going to stay face to face. We might not get eye to eye, but we're staying face to face. We're not letting a small problem become a big thing. We're not letting a yesterday issue steal away the future we have in our beautiful tomorrow. Philippians 2 verse 1, I'm almost done. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes, the answer is yes. Any comfort from his love? Yeah. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul writes, then make me truly happy by agreeing, I love this, wholeheartedly. Doesn't mean you see everything the same, but your whole heart is in agreement. Wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together. And then we'll start to have the one mind. We'll start to see things the same way. And one purpose, where we're headed. 
What's the purpose of our life, of our relationship, of this marriage? Do not let the enemy divide your heart together. More than anything, keep the whole heart in. We're in, we have struggles, we have issues. He spends too much. She does this. We're going to sort that stuff out. But we're going to stay face to face even when we don't see eye to eye. We're going to stay heart to heart even when there's some things of pain and some problems that have persisted in our life. We're going to sort it out over time. We're going to figure it out together. But we're going to stay wholehearted commitment. And I believe everywhere there's been problems in your marriage, problems in your relationships, I believe there will be peace in the name of Jesus. Everywhere there's been strife, I believe there will be a new surrender. Not looking to get your way, but looking to give way to what's best for them. And watch and see, ultimately, it'll be what God has that is best for you. Where there's been hostility, there'll be a new hope that is rising up. And when there's been fighting and feuding, I believe that it is the day of God's favor for our marriages, and for our relationships in Jesus' name. On the plaza up north, why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for you. In just a moment, we're going to a time of worship. I'm going to pray right now that God heals your heart from whatever you've been carrying or whatever conflict you've been in so that when we worship here in just a moment, you know God hears it, God responds to it, that there's no separation between you and your Heavenly Father because we're dealing with pain, with problems, with hurts. And let's just be honest here in church. Every one of us have relationships of conflict, aggravation, anger, and hurt. We all need help. We all need healing. Good news for us that our very, very best friend, Jesus, is the king who brings help and healing to everyone, listen, who has humility. If you'll have humility today, you can leave here whole, healthy, and strong. We can let go of the bitterness, the animosity, the aggression, and the anger of yesterday, and we can leave walking towards our beautiful God future. On the plaza, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to know who I'm praying with. If you're here and there's been conflict and crisis in your life, it might not even be in your marriage. It's just in a relationship. There's maybe some bitterness and brokenness in your life and relationships Anything at all that is causing you pain and heartache, I believe God's going to give you not just peace in this moment, but a way to move forward. You're going to make progress from this day on. You're going to make forward motion towards the, the, the plan of heaven for your life. You see, if you're here and you've got some strife, you've got some bitterness, you've got some anger, maybe some brokenness in your heart, you just lift up your hand even on the plaza. Just say, hey, Pastor Kyle, that's me, that's me, that's me. I need help, I need help. I need God's help in my marriage. I need God's help in my life. Hands are up all over. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you right now that every area of our heart matters completely to you. The smallest bit of frustration to the greatest place of relational brokenness. Lord, you're king over all, and you're going to work in every heart, in every situation. For every place of hurt, I command your help to be there in the name of Jesus. To every place of brokenness, every relationship teetering on the brink of divorce, God, I say not today, devil. There's going to be peace in that place, health in that place, wholeness in that place, restoration in that place. Lord, where we've held on to things against someone else, we are letting it go, and we we are giving it to you. I thank you that we don't have hostility towards each other, but we have hope for our future. I thank you that the marriages of Hillsong Church are filled with life, filled with joy, filled with peace. We're living your purpose for our future. And Lord, I thank you through it all, no matter what we're wrestling with, you are our healer. You are our restorer. You are our helper. Help us, Jesus, in every area of our heart 
and in our life. In Jesus' name. Now with free hearts, let's worship him with all that we have.